Well, it's great uh, that we can worship God and uh, we, we thank the guys for leading us so well uh, this morning. Uh, and it's great that we're coming out of lockdown and the barbers are going to be opening, which is really, really good news for me and for many of us. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that moment um, uh, uh, coming. Uh, and we are looking forward to uh, the future with great optimism. Even as a church, we are making preparations to know when is the best time to come back. And, you know, we're, we're not going to do that uh, in a rush in one sense, but we are, we're not going to delay either. Uh, and when it feels right for us in these coming weeks, we will clearly let the church know that then we will be uh, looking to uh, gather again once, uh, once things are right and in the right place. And so we're looking forward to that moment as I'm sure all of us are uh, in, in these coming days. And so we're really excited. And uh, as I say, the sun is shining. It's an amazing day uh, today. Uh, and it's almost like spring has sprung. Uh, and we're looking forward, and there's like a renewed optimism. Certainly on the street that I live, you know, kids playing in the street, people running around. It seems to be something has changed in many ways. But we do need to be and continue to be sensible in all that we, uh, in all that we do. Um, and... It's been great. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the scriptures uh, as we do here at church. And um, uh, it's great that uh, when we look at the, the Word of God, the Word of God brings life, it brings vitality, it brings direction, it inspires us, but it also challenges us. And we've been looking here at Holy Trinity at John chapter 15, and we've been in a series of looking what it, what it means when Jesus talks about being the true vine uh, you know, uh, where the best wine is, and, and Jesus talking about all the connotations that without him, we can do nothing. And so we're going we're gonna to read from the scriptures, uh, uh, and we're going to read together from John chapter 15, verses 1 through uh, to uh, 8. Uh, and if you've got a Bible, let me encourage you, open it up. If you've got a device, turn to it. Don't just listen to me. It's always good to, uh, to look at it for yourself and read it. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And uh, this is what it says, John chapter 15 uh, and verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory 
that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. These are great words that Jesus speaks uh, to uh, the, uh, the disciples. They're gathered together. This is one of the last discourses that Jesus has before uh, the Last Supper as he's gathering uh, with his disciples. And so these are important truths that he wants, wants his disciples to really grapple with and understand. So much so that in John chapter 15, Jesus uses the word remain nine times. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone says something nine times to me, that they're in danger of losing me because I'm thinking, all right, you've told me once. You've told me twice. But Jesus says, remain nine times in this little discourse. So it kind of stands to reason that he's got something really quite important to say about remaining. Because he keeps just retweeting it over and over and over again. And to remain literally means to dwell in. And some translations actually say to abide, uh, which means to make yourself at home. And I love, that, I love that phrase, to make yourself at home in Jesus. It, I just love all the connotations. Now, I've been to many churches uh, uh, over the years, and I remember once going to the Vatican uh, there in Rome, it's a beautiful place, and uh, I've been to the Sistine Chapel, and I remember going into the Vatican. Some of you have been there too, uh, and, uh, and you don't know how to act. It's this, this vastness, and you know, you're, you're, you're ushered left and then right, and, and then you don't know whether you're speaking. You, you know, it's a bit cold in some places. You don't know whether you're allowed to go in some place. You open doors and think, I don't think I'm meant to be in there. And there's a little bit of sense of unease. You know, when you go into some of these churches or cathedrals, and some of us have been there before, when someone's come running after you in a, in, in, in a large gown saying, you can't go that way, you can't go that way. And there's an element here where Jesus says, listen, in me, you're at home. Sometimes, you know, some of these kind of austere places are beautiful, and they're meant to be for the glory of God. And I don't, de- I, I don't, I don't suggest that they're not, and that wasn't the intention. But the reality, reality is Jesus says, listen, when you come to me, you're at home. You can be at ease. You can make your habituation, uh, habitation there. Abide in me. And I, and I just love the whole thing of wanting to make his home with us and us with him. And that whole sense of remaining in Christ is really important this morning. I, I read an account of a man, uh, a missionary called Hudson Taylor. He's one of my heroes of faith. I think he's one of the most prolific you know, uh, men in, the wor- in, 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 in Christian uh, history uh, for what he did and what he achieved. And uh, when Hudson Taylor was staying at the home of a friend on one occasion, the host asked him, but are you always conscious of abiding in Christ? Are you always aware that, and you're always conscious that you know, Christ is with you and for you and in you? While sleeping last night, replied Taylor, did I cease to abide in your home because I was unconscious of the fact that I was in your home? I love that. Even when we don't know it, we are abiding in Christ because He is our home. We make our habitation and our home. And so He wants to really instill this truth into us by saying, remain in me. If you're on the edge, if you're kind of thinking, well, I don't know where I am. Listen, he, he calls out to us this morning. He says, remain, stay, make your home, make your habitation always in me. 
It's as if Jesus is saying, job one in life, the first priority, the first thing we do is to remain in Christ. Our job number one is to make ourselves at home in Christ. At home with what he thinks, at home with how he works, at home with his character and have an affinity with who he is because we are part of him, we are in him. It's living with a continual awareness of Christ in our lives. In Asda, Jesus is there. Filling the car up, Jesus is there. The school gate, Jesus is there. We have this continual awareness of his presence, or that's what it means to remain or abide in Christ. It's the supreme call. Uh, it's the ultimate purpose for everyone listening this morning. And I I say that really sincerely. It's the ultimate purpose for every single one of us this morning that we remain in Christ. It's the only path. It's the only way to fruitfulness as a Christian. There's no other way. There's nothing else we can do as a Christian apart from remaining in Christ. Everything comes from that place where we remain in Christ. Remaining in Christ is to know his heart, his ways, his mind, his will, and knowing how he would act if he were here living with us in the present. Now, um, today, I went outside. I'm afraid this poor branch uh, got it. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, um, I have a branch, and uh, it's a simple illustration. I think you're going to know where I'm going to with this, but uh, the reality is this branch, as green and as nice as it, as it is, has no chance. It's the end for this branch. And uh, I feel quite guilty because I was the one who chopped it off. Okay, but there are lots of other branches there on that particular tree outside. But this one is representative of maybe you and I. Um, it's no longer part of the tree. Um, it has a memory of being part of it, but it's no longer there because it's not remaining anymore. And it's like you and I. You know, when we are apart from Christ, when we're not remaining in Christ, we, we can be as sincere as we want. You know, when you're sincere and you just really believe it, you know, oh, Lord, still do it in my life. Lord, would you do this? Lord, would you do that? But the reality is it's not going to work. We can try all we want. We can use all kinds of techniques. We can even try and plant this branch in the ground. I remember doing that as a kid thinking, well, that's how things grow. But the reality is within a few days, it was dead. Well, it's dying already. In fact, it's dead already. And Jesus says, I promise, you will not bear fruit unless you are abiding in me. And somehow we think that we can do some stuff. We can be busy. We can do this and that. We can do that for God. Maybe this for God. But the reality is, unless this branch is abiding in Christ, nothing you could even tie some, have you ever seen those kind of play fruits? You could even tie some fruits onto it and make it look like it's got fruit. But the reality is, it's not going to bear eternal fruit. Everything, and I mean everything, depends on remaining in Christ. And Jesus gives this guarantee. And it's an amazing guarantee. If you abide in me, you will. It's not if. Not by your trying, not by self-effort, not by 
wishing it and being sincere. He says, if you remain in me, you are condemned to succeed. If you remain in me, you will bear not just fruit, much fruit. The key is the remaining in Christ. It's not the new book. It's not the new thought processes. It's not what, everybody, what anybody's doing over there so I can copy them. And they've tried a technique of leading people to Jesus. He says, listen, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And everything depends on that simple truth this morning. Are you abiding in Christ? Are we remaining in Christ? My focus is verse 7. Verse 7 of this amazing uh, narrative that I want to bring to you. It says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is, this is, like, a, this is like a sweetie shop for the Christian. Because we go straight to the, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And we can think to ourselves, whoa, yeah, I'll, I'll have this and I'll have that. But actually, we find that there's, there's, there's a condition that is attached to this. And it's a, it's, it's a good condition because it leads us to fruitfulness. And I don't know many Christians who would want to say to me, I don't want to be fruitful. Because I believe that that's what we were born for. We were called to bear fruit. And so this morning, I have three very simple things that I want to say about this verse and three simple words that I want to present. And the first one is if. It's not the most theological of uh, words, but it's really, really important. If. We need to have that in your mind as I say it. If. Because the entirety of our Christian lives from this moment, from now, as I'm saying this, the entirety of our Christian life from this point is hinged upon this one word, if. If. How many times have you used the word if, maybe about your life, if only? If that would have happened, if this would have happened. Well, now there's a big if, and the choice lands right where you are this morning. Where you're sat is the word if. And the word if is introducing, and it means introducing a conditional clause. It's a conditional clause. An illustration would be, if you buy the milk, I will make the tea. If you don't buy the milk, the tea won't get made. And I know that's a simplistic way, but that's the condition. If you buy the milk, I'll make the tea. Now, Jesus introduces this conditional clause in this verse. He's presenting to you and I this morning the most stunning opportunity to ask for whatever you wish, whatever you wish, but there's an if. There's an if. The word if is the difference between a fruitful life and the life that looks like branch that we looked at just a few moments ago that's not remaining in Christ. It's not going to happen. If you, this morning, abide, remain, and Jesus says it, nine times because he really wants to labor this and say, I know the disciples are, you know, you know, uh, have had a tough week and maybe a tough three years, but I really want to drive this home. Remain, 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 remain. That's what he's trying to say. Remain. If you remain in him 
And if his words, the Bible, the scriptures, the teaching of Christ, the commands of God remain in you, here's the condition. You can then ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You can have whatever you want. I mean, when was, when was the last time that someone asked you, you can have whatever you want? And yet God has been saying that every single day of our lives, as long as we've been a Christian. You can have as much as you wish. Ask for anything you want. And the call of this particular verse is simple. If you remain in Him. Remain in Him. Make that your goal. Make that your life's goal each day to remain in Him so that your home is in Christ because then you see, as the Scripture tells us, that's where the good stuff begins to happen. The second word I want to simply present to you is ask. Ask. I love the story of Solomon. Uh, way back in the Old Testament, because uh, Solomon was uh, a guy who was uh, really, you know, at the forefront of what God was doing, and he was uh, one of the kings. He took over from his father, and he was confronted with the very same question that we are confronted with today. And I think that his response to the question gives us a really clear understanding of what it means if we are abiding in Christ. What we ask for identifies our true heart and our true motives if we are truly abiding in Christ. I'm going to read just a few verses from the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, and it's verse 5 and verses 7 to 13. I think it's one of the most amazing accounts because I want to ask you, what would you have said when God asked you this question. And this is what it reads. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5, and then 7 to 13. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have, have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, and this is amazing, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. 
Wow. I mean, that is one amazing story. It starts, doesn't it, with that ask for whatever you want. There's not even an if in this occasion. There's not even, an, there's not even a condition. It's, it's God saying, what do you want? What do you want? And Solomon, well, I think it's just important, not just what he asked for, but what he didn't ask for. He did not ask for money. He did not ask for fame. He did not ask for long life. He did not ask for his enemies to be defeated. His answer and his answers are based on one thing. His walk and his relationship with God. He's basically saying, I desire or I wish or I want only what you want. That's all I desire. Whatever you want is what I want. That's what it means to remain. That's what it means to be connected. That's what it means to have the heart and mind of God. He's effectively saying, I only want in this life whatever you want to give to me. And it says that God was overjoyed. And not only did he give him that, wisdom, gave him the knowledge to be able to administer justice. He says he gave him more than he asked for. How much Will God abundantly above give us more than we could ask or even imagine? But look at the motive first. That word if leads us to the word ask. And it's a really important journey from those two words. Solomon's inner man, his motives and responses were not driven by the carnal, the flesh, but by the Holy Spirit that was in him. I mean, what a question. What do you want? What do you want? He saw what God saw. He desired what God desired. He cared for his people because God cares for people. He was not about self-gain because God himself is selfless. And because Solomon remained in God and was connected to God, God gave him not just what he asked for, but what he didn't ask for. What's God looking for? What is he searching for? Those who have his heart and his mind. There's the if. You can if you remain in Christ. And we, too, if we remain in Christ this morning, wherever you are, wherever I am today, this truth stands for you and I this morning. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, a bit like Solomon, ask whatever you wish Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? Because you will be asking with the heart, the motive, the mind of God. What are you going to ask for on the factory floor, I wonder, tomorrow? In the office canteen, in the school staff room, on the ward, or on the road where you live. Ask whatever you desire. It says, I will do it. I think that is just the most stunning statement. I remember the prayer of John Knox, the great reformer in the 15th, 16th century, whose prayer was not give me wealth, fame. He just said, give me Scotland or I die. I just love how he just said, that's it. That's what I want. And I love people who have a real ambition, but it's an ambition in God. I want to see all young people saved. I want to see all people come to a place where they can encounter Christ. What is it that you would ask? today. 
in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all the challenges? What is it that when we are remaining in Christ that we say, Lord, this is the one thing I would desire in these coming days. I would love for you. I would love to to see. I would love to witness. I would love to hear. What is it that God allows you to dream as you drift into God's heart, mind, and spirit? Because if we remain in Him, He says you can ask. You can ask. What is it that we ask for? Now the last word that I want to give, I'm going to give you a choice. Because you can choose either one of these yourself. Because the last words I want to look at is success or significance. Success or significance. Success. I know a lot of people who believe they are successful because they have everything they want. And that's true. If that's what their heart was set upon, if that was their motives, that's what they wanted to achieve, absolutely, that is success. No doubt about it. They've added value to themselves. They were this, but now they're this. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's success. But significance comes when you add value, not to yourself, but when you add value to others. And there's a difference. The rich young man who came to Jesus was clearly successful because he was a rich young man. He had everything, it would seem, that he wished for, that he wanted. All of these things, he says, I've done. He was a success, but he left Jesus disappointed. I think the greatest tragedy in life is that many will look back one day and say, I was successful at things that don't really matter. I think many will look back one day and say, I was successful, great, at things that don't really matter. Now, I want everyone to be successful. I do. I think success is not a bad thing. But more than anything, Jesus wants you and I and his church to be significant. To add value, not just to ourselves, but to to add and give value in this season to come to the whosoever. It's interesting to me that Time magazine declared Jesus not the most successful, not the most important, but declared Jesus as the most significant figure in human history. Yet Jesus had no home, no wealth, few if any possessions, lived a very short life, and did not travel more than a hundred miles from where he was born. Significance happens only when you add value to others. And look at the value that Jesus added. I stand here today because on the 14th of December 1984, I could not comprehend how much Jesus loved me as he welcomed me into his presence and he gave me the opportunity to live for him. From that day onwards, there's never been a day in my life, sincerely, there has never been a day. Challenges have come, difficulties have come, all kinds of things that have happened to us. There's never been a day that I have forgotten that day 
valued, loved, cared for. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he says, I want you to ask for anything you want. And if you ask with that kind of motive, knowing my character and my heart for this world, that I want you to have significance, not just success. That we are here to add value to one, or to two, or to others. Because that's what Jesus has done for you and me if we are Christians. And that's what he's done for the world. Time magazine is not a Christian magazine but even time magazine of all the people who have lived says there's just something significant and you know what if jesus remains in me then that's significant we carry on that which jesus has already started if we remain in christ and if we do remain in christ we know then his heart we know his ways. We know his mind. And we are able to add value to each person. Every one of us this morning, I believe, can have a life of significance. Many of us already are in that life. But that's the encouragement here when Jesus says in these amazing words, if, if, you remain in me. And if my words remain in you, you can have anything you want. Can God trust you with asking for anything? He says, listen, if your motives are like mine, if you see what I see, then you'll ask for the right things. Anything you want. Success can last for a lifetime. Significance will last for generations. It was because of what Hudson Taylor did. It was because what these great saints of old did. Because they didn't go for success. They wanted their lives to be significant. So that last point of success or significant is what you need to choose. Success, significant. In many ways, significance is success. So three simple truths. If, let me encourage you to do something about the if we remain in Him. Then ask. Ask and it will be given to you. If we ask with that motive and that knowledge that we are abiding and we are remaining in Christ. Significance will be the result of God's kingdom working through us. And in these days to come, to come I do not want to uh, crawl out of uh, lockdown having saying that we've survived. There is a moment. There is a season that we are entering as a church, both locally but also nationally, where we have to say, Lord, we choose to not just exist, not just to get by, but we desire now to be significant in your hands, in this world. That's what we are about. I would want to say right now that if you're sat there thinking that you're worth nothing, let me tell you, he adds value to you.
He comes to where you are and gives significance. How many times do we read in the New Testament Jesus coming to the whosoever, the leper, the, the, the outcast, the sinners, and he simply sits with them and says, this is where I want to spend my time. And I know it to be true because he came to me. And significance comes because he adds value to you today by saying, you created in his image, you are loved, and he welcomes you, he invites you. To find not success in him, but significance. That you matter. That you are of great value. If, ask, significance. And Jesus does all of that because he's saying nine times. All of that's possible if you remain. He implores us. He encourages us. And that's what I do to you, HT, and whoever's listening to this today, wherever you are, to remain and abide in Christ because that's our source. That's the key. Jesus is not someone we visit. He's where we make home. We don't visit Him. His habitation is in us and ours in Him. We are together. And here's my challenge for each one of us. Who can you go do something significant to this week? Who can you go and do something significant with this week by adding value to them? I'll allow you to work out the creative way in which you can do that. But God has called us to significance. If, ask, leads to significance. We're going to pray. and just going to just uh, give us a moment just to really reflect uh, where we are or what is it that you need to do. Because it's always good to hear the Word of God. But if I said to the, you know, the gathered church, if everybody was here today, what was last week's sermon and what have I done? Then we would be very hard-pressed to remember it. And we can do that and we can, we can find ourselves in a rhythm where we are forgetting the things that we, we agree to. But what is it that you're going to amend? What is it that you need to um, make choices about today? How are you going to remain in him? What's your response to him? What are you asking for? Let me encourage you if you are a Christian. What are you asking for in your workplace, on your road, where you do life? What is it that you go, I can ask for whatever I want? What is it that you would be asking for? And significance. Where are we going to add value? Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. It is a lamp to our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you allow us to remain in you. I would say, Lord, come in. Come into every aspect of our lives as we, Lord, enter into all the rooms of who you are. There is so much to discover that's new about you. And I pray, Lord God, now that there would just be a real tenacious desire to press into you as never before. I pray, Lord God, there will be some bold asking done, Lord, by your church, by your people. Asking for and with the right motives and significance. Thank you for adding value to us.
I pray, Lord God, in some way this week, you would help us to continue to add value, worth, by being who you would be where we do life. So we say, come Holy Spirit and do that work that only you can do. We're not in a rush this morning. So let us, let us talk to him. Let us allow him to whisper to us. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you that I am of great value to you. Now, Lord, that, Lord, which I have received of value, may it be pressed down, shaken together, may it overflow as we give away ourselves in this new week.